0: Hello, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Giovanna Capoza. Guys, I am so excited to have you here this week. I'm excited to have you every week, but this week in particular, I am beyond excited for this guest. I'm here with Emily Bennington. Emily is an amazing author, and she is more recently the author of this book called Miracles at Work that I want to dive into today. It is amazing it's, it 's just one word it 's amazing. I joked with Emily when I uh, contacted her about the interview. I joked with her that her book literally helped validate the whole existence of my of my career and my coaching practice and and you know I joke about it, but i don 't really, and the reason for that is because we often put this side of ourselves the spiritual side of ourselves we we compartmentalize it you know we put it aside emily jokes in the book i'm going to paraphrase i'll probably butcher this but she jokes in the book that god is kind of like porn you do it in private and you know and only when necessary kind of thing and i laughed when i read that in the book but it is kind of how we treat god it's how we treat spirituality and i i jokingly say that i came out of the god closet a few years ago and I started bringing more and more of this, what I call and what has been called spiritual intelligence into my work, into my practice with my clients. And I have to tell you the results that I started to see helping to teach people these principles are really life transformative. So when I read her book, and I saw that she was teaching this to Fortune 500 companies and that she was really bringing these principles to the upper echelons of, of our corporate leadership. It inspired me and it again said to me, hey, you know, you're on the right track, which I so appreciated. And I'm so excited to have her on the show today. We're going to be introducing some principles to you that you might not be familiar with and you might not have heard of. I am also a student of A Course in Miracles like Emily. And so the conversation today is going to be really juicy. It's going to be really spiritual too. And my hope with this conversation today and this interview is that you start to see miracles in your own life. You know, not just miracles at work, but miracles in your relationships, miracles in your career and other aspects, and just in your life in general. You know, it's one thing to to say, you know, that you believe that there's a higher intelligence, and it's another thing to cultivate a relationship with that higher intelligence. And this is when you know spirituality really starts to come alive. It's what I see it come alive for my students. It's when I see it come alive for uh, my private clients. So, without further ado, let me tell you a little bit about this amazing author and woman, Emily Bennington. She is a best-selling author and a student and a teacher of contemplative practices for both secular and spiritual audiences. She has led training programs on mindfulness and composure for numerous Fortune 500 companies and has been featured in press ranging from CNN, ABC, and Fox to the Wall Street Journal, Glamour Magazine, Marie Claire, and Cosmopolitan. Emily is the author of three books, including Miracles at Work, Turning Inner Guidance into Outer Influence, which is on how to apply the principles of A Course in Miracles to your career. As a result of her business background, Emily is really skilled at presenting complex mindfulness and spiritual topics with logical reasoning, professionalism, and inclusiveness. While her work is gender neutral, Emily's website was recently listed by Forbes as one of the 100 best for women, and her blog called Grace touches thousands of readers who are seeking to wander through life with more joy. Welcome to the show, Emily. I'm so excited to have you here. Hello. <laughs> um, my enthusiasm is kind of bubbling this morning. I mentioned in the intro how completely uh excited I am to have you on the show. And there's so many places I uh, and things I want to talk about and so many places I want to go. So yeah, let let's dive in. I, I gave the the listeners a little bit of a background on you. Um, but I I, I always love to ask the the callers or the interviewees I should say I love to ask their story so I, I always want to find out like how did you how did you get here and by here I mean you know writing and publishing miracles at work but in particular you know doing this work which which is so important I think bringing spirituality into the workplace I'd love to hear and I'd love to have you share with the listeners how you got here
1: okay well that is Quite an arc, but I'll try and sum it up for you very, very quickly. Um, basically, when I graduated from college, I didn't know in, as much about how to be a professional as I thought that I did. But I was fortunate that I had a boss who was generous and kind enough to be my mentor. He told me at my very first performance review that he couldn't promote me because I didn't have the respect of my team. But he said, if you will stick with me and listen to me, then together we can elevate your career and I can help you. And I learned so much from him that we wrote a book together called Effective Immediately. And as we were sort of touring college campuses talking about how to make the transition from college to career, one thing that I noticed was that the guys would leave, but the women would be like a snaking line to ask questions about their careers. And so then I started writing for women on how to make the transition into management. And once I started dealing with the management level of women, like outside of the whole college to career, but really women who were entrenched in their careers. One thing that I noticed is that they would come to me ostensibly for something like I need help getting a promotion. I need to prepare for a performance review. I need to find a job. But then about 10 seconds or maybe a little longer than that, but (laughs) very quickly as we got into our conversation, their life story would open up and they were dealing with challenges like the betrayal of a spouse or the illness of a child or their own illness, just really big life problems. And I couldn't address those problems without bringing in the spiritual aspect. And so this spiritual element became a part of my work. And then as I noticed that the spiritual uh, advice that I was giving was really helping, then I was like, well, I got to turn this into a book. And that's what created miracles at work. And from Miracles at Work, I've actually started doing more with the Course in Miracles and I'm probably transitioning my career entirely to teaching the course almost exclusively.
0: I love that. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. So and it's a it's a great segue because your book is again called Miracles at Work and it's uh, applying the principles of a course in miracles to your work uh, and career life, and so I would love for you to give the listeners, and some of them, it might be their first time even hearing about this Course in Miracles, and what is A Course in Miracles, can you give us, I guess, it, I, it's funny to say, can you give us an overview, because the book is giant, it's the size of a brick, it's right next to me, but, so you can't really give us an overview, but tell us a little bit, sort of an intro to A Course in Miracles, and what is that, so our listeners can understand where we're, where we're headed next.
1: Okay you're starting with some very big questions here, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So essentially, uh, if I could just boil down the point of the course, it's how we dismantle our thought system based on fear and replace it with a thought system based on love. And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that When we are caught up in thoughts that we are separate, like I am me and you are you, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through my life looking at you and everyone around you based on how you measure up to meeting what I perceive as my needs. What the Course enables you to do, and and what many spiritual practices enable you to do, but I've found the Course to be the best from my opinion is that it enables you to look at another person and see through the things that get us in trouble, like our personality differences, our bodily differences, our faith differences, our political differences, all of that. I'm able to look at you and not see that. All that I see in you is the truth that we share. And as I'm able to see that about you, then my relationship with you becomes more graceful I become more composed when I'm speaking to you and that unfolds a truly harmonious connection that we have that then enables us to work better together become better friends navigate our world with much more ease and composure and peace and harmony than we would have otherwise if I'm so stuck looking at you based on how you meet meet what I want you know are you doing what I want and if you're not I don't like you. And if you do, I do like you. And so what the course does is it just sort of takes all of that off the table. And once that is off the table, then your relationships become more peaceful and your life becomes more peaceful.
0: I love that. You know, I know it was a, it was a heavy hitting question, but well done. I love that. That's a great summary. Yeah. And so it, it addresses the essential problem that, you know when, whatever conflict we're in that the essential problem is that we are in separation, so we've separated ourselves from our brother or from our sister, correct
1: yeah yeah absolutely so if i'm if i'm looking at you as completely separate from me, then how can I not see you but in relation to whether I am better than or less than you, and that constant evaluation of other people based on rank of higher or lower is what gets us into a tremendous amount of of Disharmony in our relationships and so again that just the course just takes that off the table and allows me to see you as my sister and When I'm communicating with you when I'm seeing the universal truth in you then by definition I have to see it in me or I couldn't see it in you and so that just enables me to live my life with more grace and what the cor- and do what the Course Calls stand for the alternative.
0: Mm, I love that. And what I really loved that you did in the book was, you know, you really sort of, it's such a complex topic. And yet the way you laid it out, literally with starting, you know, starting with questions like, you know, what is God and what is a miracle? And you've really laid it out in such a way that, it's these bite-sized pieces that even if if the reader had never read A Course in Miracles or been introduced to it or its principles, that it's really easy and flowing. Uh, and it's, it's laid out in such a way that it's easy to understand for the reader. So, you know, here, here's another not not heavy hitting, I'm joking, uh, question, which is <laughs> the one that comes up a lot when I start to talk about A Course in Miracles is what is a miracle? And I know the course has several, several pages of, of answers to what is a miracle. And so it's sort of a complex question. I know Marianne Williamson is often quoted and, and often talks about a miracle being a shift in perception from fear to love. And I know that there's more expanded views on that. And of course, the course has various definitions of that. So for you, and to help the listeners understand a little better, what is a miracle when we talk about a course in miracles? Okay, so there's two definitions of a miracle
1: in the course. And what Marianne is referring to is what we call the internal miracle. That is the shift in perception from fear to love. And that's what I was referring to earlier, where if I am viewing myself as connected to you, if I'm seeing you with love, then I have that shift in my mind. Now, that then enables me to do what is the primary definition of a miracle, which is express love to you. So if I have a shift in my perception from fear to love, then what is the effect of that shift? Well, the effect of that shift is going to be a behavioral um, action that I take based on my perspective of love. And so a miracle, what I refer to as the primary definition of a miracle in A Course of Miracles, is that expression of love. And so there's the internal miracle and there's the external miracle, but they're both very, very important.
0: Mm, I love that amazing, I love that I love that so i want to I want to get into a little bit this this role of of spirituality in in business and in leadership, and you know part of that, as I mentioned in the intro, was you know I joked with you that the book completely validated the the existence of of my career and the direction that I was choosing to go in because You know, for much of my life, and and perhaps this is the same for a lot of the listeners as well, I, I really compartmentalize spirituality. It was something that I did in private it 's kind of like the the quote in the book when you talk when you refer to you know God as porn kind of thing, right, so keep it in private and I did. I compartmentalized it, and in fact i i wasn 't even bringing it into my work, even though in my past career as an at- alternative medicine doctor, you know it may have been even appropriate to bring that in but i i didn 't I kept it really compartmentalized, and I got to a place where I was not feeling fulfilled because I was keeping it just sort of in the background. And once I started um, bringing that in more, I call it you know coming out of the God closet and sort of <laughs> openly um, you know speaking about it more and and then, in turn teaching it to my clients and and students and courses that I ran. not only did I notice a massive shift happen with myself internally and this almost a sense of liberation and freedom, but I, I really started to notice the the changes and the effects that teaching this you know what I called spiritual intelligence which is not my word it's someone else's wording but um teaching that really started to enrich the work that I was doing and so I wonder if you can touch a little bit on on your experience of that because I it sounds like you've gone through a similar journey of you know coming out of the god closet and and if you can share that a little bit with us
1: Yes, well, yes, I I feel like I should add some clarification to what you said earlier about God being poor. Yes, please. um, Oh
0: my gosh, that's right. (laughs) Let's clarify that.
1: Let me clarify that. So essentially, where that statement came from was, like you, I was in the God closet. I was a serious course student and I was practicing the course and I, and by practicing I mean I was reading it every day and trying really to take to heart some of the perspective shifts that I was explaining earlier and I was coaching professional women in my career my day-to-day work and I was sharing these tools with them and it was working and I was coaching them on mindful leadership but I was teaching them spiritual tools so mindfulness alone is a the, the way that we bake it into business is very secular as it should be and so I was teaching them spiritual tools but I was calling it mindfulness and the the divergence between those two things was becoming big enough to a point where I, start to, I started to feel inauthentic teaching spiritual tools and calling it secular mindfulness. And so I went to a mindful leadership conference in D.C. a few years ago for the sole purpose of getting in the midst of this tribe, this mindfulness tribe which I assumed was spiritual because mindfulness at its roots is a spiritual practice. It has spiritual elements to it. So I wanted to go and consult with my tribe, as I said, in (laughs) Miracles at Work, and just ask them, how can we bring the spiritual roots of this practice to the forefront in a way that doesn't offend people, but you still get the benefit of the spirituality aspect? And essentially, I stood up and in front of 500 people asked this question, and the moderator basically just grabbed the microphone and was like, business isn't spiritual. Next question, please. And I I could hear I could hear an audible like sigh behind me. Like somebody was like you know, almost like, oh my God, somebody brought spirituality into this again. And wow. After that, so the room was not very welcoming to the spiritual message. (laughs) And then afterwards there was a break and somebody pulled me aside and said, you know, I just wanted to, to say, I heard your question in there. And, you know, I, I sort of view God like porn You only do it in private when you have to, and you never talk about it. And I was like, thank you very much for that input. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but that's the way we tend to view our spiritual life, isn't it? Like it, it creates such, a reaction in people occasionally, some people are very open to it, so this is by no means true for everyone, but we don't want to offend anyone, and so we say nothing. And I think where we've gotten it wrong is we tend to conflate spirituality with religion, and they're not the same thing, at least they're not the same thing in my book. What I'm talking about when I say spirituality is looking at someone else and seeing the universal truth about them and knowing that the truth in them is the same as the truth in you. It's it's what's often referred to as agape love. Um, you can call it humanity, whatever it is, but it's true for all of us. The thing in our life that animates us is the same in me as it is in you, and if we can just get past all of our personality and our bodily differences to see that in each other, then again, life tends to unfold um, better for all involved. So, that's what I'm talking about when I say spirituality, and how could business not benefit from more of that perspective because when we're in our careers what are we doing we're setting ourselves up with competition which goes back to that more than less than I was talking about earlier we're using our careers as our source of self-identity and self-worth and that is a very slippery slope it gets us into a lot of what I call snow globe thinking and I found a, a true spiritual practice in the course my practice to be the thing that makes the snow globe the snow in my head settle in a way that, again, just allows me to navigate my life with, with peace, ease, and composure. And as I am navigating my life with peace, ease, composure, and wisdom, and compassion, i.e. love, then I become more attractive to other people who are looking for those things in their own life. And so what does that build? That builds influence. What are people looking in their for in their career? influence so we're just we're looking we're reaching the same destination but we're approaching it the wrong way and i just i love that quote that great leaders don't have to claw their way to the top they're carried there and i think that the more we can infuse business with the perspective of spirituality the more we will have leaders who aren't clawing but are being carried
0: well said. Yes, absolutely. You know, it, it's to quote a fellow podcaster, um, and I guess one of our mutual favorites, Rob Bell, everything is spiritual. And um, to compartmentalize it and to not take it into every realm or aspect of our life, including, like you said, business and leadership. Is really at a at a detriment and a loss to not just ourselves but the organization and everyone involved. And I actually I absolutely love your perspective on that. And something you you just said there uh, right at the end about uh, that quote on leadership. Can you repeat that quote by the way again?
1: Yeah, it's, I I don't know who said it, but the quote is: "Great leaders don't have to claw their way to the top; they're carried there."
0: Yes, I love that, and that brings me to the part in the book where you start to uh, bring in and introduce this idea of magnitude, and I wonder if you could explain that, because I think that, when that quote is sort of speaking to that, and yes. could you explain that to the listeners?
1: Yeah, so magnitude is just basically the idea that I see myself, if we want to use the word God, I see myself as God created me. I see myself in a state of spiritual perfection. This is not anything that I have earned. It's not anything that goes away based on what I say or what I do or what someone else does to me. It is just my natural state of right. When I recognize this about myself as truth, I see myself in magnitude. If I have this certain magnitude, then everyone else has it. And so my job is to, when I say I'm standing for the alternative, what that means is that I'm standing for this magnitude as truth within myself and as truth within everyone else. And that doesn't mean that I'm being grandiose about it because I have no more than or no less than anyone else. But if I see this as true about me and you, then I cannot be hurt by anything external that happens to me in the world and so just knowing this creates a tremendous amount of you can call it confidence in the workplace you can call it presence like leadership presence executive presence I'm not constantly being led around by my emotions, nor am I being led around by my need for approval. I know who I am. I know who you are, and so let's just get to work, right? Rather mm-hmm. than getting lost in all of these personality conflicts that create toxic cultures. So, if we ha- again, how could business not benefit from this? More of this.
0: Love it. Yeah. And I, if I wonder if you could give us and share with us a little bit of a, a practical example. It's one of the things I love that you do in the book is you, you share examples and stories of people that you've worked with and how actually introducing these principles and teaching these principles and then going and applying them, you know, in, in the workplace, uh, in their relationships at work in difficult situations has actually been able to transform it. So I wonder if you can give us a practical Story or example?
1: Yeah, totally. I have two for you. One is related to Marianne Williamson. So if I forget that, let's circle back, and I'll tell you that story about magnitude related to Marianne. Yes. And the, but the 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 sort of nuts and bolts practical um, I- example that I will give you, and this one is in Miracles at Work too, is I had a a client who was preparing for a very big job interview. Now what made this interesting was that she was interviewing for her own job. So she had been vice president of a company, fortune 500 company for 10 years and the company decided to do some restructuring and they said, well, we're bringing in a couple other people and you're going to have to interview against them and whoever we like will get, what she perceived as her job. So now she was competing against two other people for a job that she'd been doing, um, in her mind, successfully for the last 10 years. So she was approaching this interview with a tremendous amount of of nerves. I mean, she's the breadwinner for her family. I mean, so there's a lot going on there. But in addition to that, like that's normal for a job interview what she was also feeling was this flood of anger and resentment and judgment that she was even put in this position in the first place. So again, kicked up snow globe thinking, right? There's a lot going (laughs) on upstairs. And so what I I guess a, a typical sort of common career coaching experience would be, okay, well, let's take a look at some of the questions that you might be asked in this interview and let's role play. But I told her, I was like, let's just drop that. I think you need to prepare for the interview like using those practical tools, but let's just sort of drop into a place where you can know your magnitude, as I was talking about before. You, you, Whether you get this job or you retain this job does not define who you are. It is not the measure of your worth and the people on the other end of the table they are evaluating you for a position but they're not judging your merits or your worth you know your worth does not come from this interview and so what i told her i was like there's a prayer in the course that's really beautiful it's um i'm i'm here only to be truly helpful and so if i encouraged her to go into the interview knowing her magnitude being fully aware of her magnitude and going with that perspective of being truly helpful. So imagine the difference in her energy going into the meeting in full magnitude, but also with the intention to only be truly helpful. And that composure, that calmness, that perspective, that grace, infused her answers so she wasn't sitting there okay i need to say this i need to say this these are my three points that i need to make on this question you know she was just naturally able to articulate what made her the best person for the job because it was coming from what we were talking about before this internal shift in perception from fear am i going to get this job oh my god oh my God! to love i'm here to be truly helpful and she got the job she kept her job and she's still there and so that's a practical example of how these tools work
0: mm, I love that and and that's such an example of again that word magnitude right and sitting in that place of knowingness of who you really are the truth of who you really are and the in your true identity, not what the ego is telling us to believe about ourselves and this you know the the human ego affliction of I am not enough and I'm not worthy, which does kick up anger and fear and resentment and all of these things. And I I love that story. I I remember that from the book. And I loved reading that because it is a constant, you know, the work to me is a constant remembering and reminder of the truth of who you really are, which is not the body and not this egoic perception we have of ourselves and each other. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that.
1: And that's where, by the way, to what you were talking about earlier about feeling disingenuous about being in the God closet, if you wanted <laughs> to come out. This is a perfect example also of where I hit that intersection because when I, she came to me for mindfulness. And so, mindfulness advice would have been okay before you go into the interview let's really center in let's breathe let's make sure that you're in a state of calm you know it's very much about the body very much about getting your body in a state of of calm and this is different I'm asking her to come in and stand in full light you know (laughs) and and those are those are those are very similar conversations, but they're but they're different. And so that's when when I started having conversations with my clients about, okay, you need to go in there and stand in your full magnitude and see the truth about who you are and who they are. We're in course territory at that mm-hmm. point. And so I had to come out of my own spiritual <laughs> closet to share that advice. But here's here's what I will say about that. And and. And I'm I'm speaking directly to you and to anyone else who also worries about the perception that comes with being associated with spirituality. I have come after many years of struggling with this myself to a place where I am less apologetic about it than I used to be, far less apologetic about it than I used to be. And I'm standing in the truth as I see it and in my practice of the Course. And I'm trying to get people to come here and I'm not trying to dumb it down or water it down so that I can be accepted by um, a broad swath of of everyone, of individuals. I I'm really getting to, and this is new for me. This is why I'm sort of struggling with trying to articulate it because there, there was a time not so long ago where if I even mentioned spirituality or God forbid the word God on my blog, I almost like had to apologize for it for four paragraphs after I said it, you know, and I'm just getting less apologetic about it. And I think that that's very, very important because as we become less apologetic about being out of the spiritual closet, then we make room for other people to come out as well. And and we need, we need people to come out because we need the light right now.
0: Amen, sister. Yes, we need, um you know, as the Course calls it, more teachers of God. And thank you so much for saying that because that really touched my heart as well because as much as I you know, say that I'm out of the God closet, I'm not fully out. I think I still have a foot in the door. And sometimes, you know, I I hesitate with certain clients. And, you know, especially if it's a group that I'm teaching, I kind of hesitate, like, should I drop this in? Or should I say that? And it's funny, I even have a part in the my initial intake form that asks people, you know, what is their spirituality? And what are they comfortable with? And You know, obviously, to be respectful of wherever they are at and to meet them at where they're at. But I also just realized as you were saying that, that that's still me kind of still having a toe, you know, in that closet and like, oh, I don't, I'm not sure. And what really popped up for me as you were speaking as well is what a disservice it has been for me to hold that back when I've held it back. Because I do see, much like the example you gave with this uh, woman going in to interview for her own job, when I have just let it flow and allowed myself to sort of be, you know, out of the closet. And I've given advice or I've taught principles to my clients. I've seen the transformation, much like you saw. I've seen they come back and the feedback, the peace, the calm that comes over them, the relationships that heal within themselves and others. I mean, it's, it's, it is miraculous. Like it's, let's call it what it is. It's a miracle. And I, I love that you, you shared that. It was really reassuring for me because I can see that when I hold that back, that that's actually not in service to my brother yeah. or sister.
1: Yeah. yeah. A- Amen. <laughs> and what the one thing that's helped me is that I think when people bristle up, when you use spiritual language, it's because they don't want to feel put upon. They don't want to feel like they're being pressured to believe what you believe, or they don't want to feel judged. OK, so if you're not putting pressure on anyone and you're not judging them, you, all that you're doing, this is the way that I look at my work, is because this, the Course in Miracles is, is um, we're dealing with a practice that a lot of people don't know about. And so that creates its own problems as far as uh, branding is concerned. So people, <laughs> Yes, it does. <laughs> automatically get in their defensive about like like, what is this? You know, what are you doing? You know? And so Mm -hmm. what I, what has really helped for me is to just say, look, I'm creating a container uh, uh, where we're going to have conversations about what the core says, and we're going to wrestle with the text and we're going to interrogate the text. And, and this is what we do over here. You're welcome to sit at our table. You're Mm. more than welcome to sit at our table. If you don't choose to, that's totally fine too. There's Lots of tables, but this is ours and and if we're at the, this table, then this is what we're going to talk about, and we're going all in and that to me has been very, very helpful of, uh, as far as getting over the hump of my own resistance to coming out around these topics
0: i I love that and actually it brings me to and I, I think this would benefit the listeners as well because it brings me to the the story of how the course came to me and it was introduced to me. I started seeing my very first spiritual mentor who is still my mentor and friend to this day when I was 19 years old. So well over 20 years ago now. And I I learned so many principles from her. And about 15 years ago, she started studying the course. I think actually it was a little longer than that. So of course, like any mentor would, she introduced it to me. And I remember, I remember seeing it and I remember thinking it looks like a Bible and immediately my back went up. Cause I'm like, I, you know, no, I, I considered myself at the time, you know, a recovering Catholic because I, I had parents that like, you know, just put it put it upon me. And, and, and so I resisted it. And the interesting thing was, even though, it looked like a Bible, and I had that resistance come up. And then, you know, we talk about coming out of the God closet and saying the G word. Like, what about the J word? You know, so the right? <laughs> the, the the Course in Miracles uh, is scribed by Helen Schuckman, but the the author um, is Jesus. It's it's a channeled um, text. And so, you know, here's this book that looks like the Bible, and they use the J word, and immediately I was like, uh-uh, no, no. But the funny thing was that I kept attending Course in Miracles study groups. Even though I would carry the book with me, I don't think I even like opened it. But week after week for several weeks, I would just go to these meetings and I'm thinking in my head, why am I here? I'm not even like opening the book. I'm I'm certainly not looking at the lessons, but there was something that was pulling me toward it. And I just, I resisted it for so many, so many years. And and then I I started to open it up. And, you know, I I credit, I uh, I credit a lot of that, not only to my, my spiritual mentor for continuing, you know, just relentlessly, but not with force, just having me sit at her table, right. Just like you said, and just uh, having me come along and talk to me freely about it. And so it was like, Oh, okay. This is starting to make sense, starting to make sense. And then she recommended, I, I read the book, um, the disappearance of the universe. Oh my gosh, I'm losing the author's name. Gary Raynard, Raynard, thank you. And uh, I read that book, and I thought, okay, it was again huge principles that my just my whole brain went scrambled. I was like, what? And and then Lisa Natoli, who's uh, a mutual uh, friend and and teacher of ours, and and I started listening to her podcast. And then you know, it wasn't until about four years ago that I really picked it up and opened it, and it was sort of like why didn't I look at this sooner? You know, I just kind of, I carried it around with me like some kind of weird uh, security blanket and Mm -hmm. being drawn to it, but resisting it because of those sort of uh, the Christian wording and the, and, and those pieces of it that, like you said, like they, they get got my back up a little bit. So I wonder if you can uh, introduce that a little bit to the to our listeners about the terminology that's used in the course and how you know the, the Jesus of the course is different than the biblical Jesus, I love the way in the CE edition that's outlined at the beginning, and I wonder if you can touch on that.
1: Yeah, I you know I'm not so much convinced that it's a different Jesus that yeah not, not so much a Jesus. different
0: person but a representation a different representation is yeah rather.
1: exactly like I think that the biblical Jesus if we really peel back the layers of what it is that he said is very in alignment with what the course says yes um, but but what I was saying before about the branding problem that the course has <laughs> stems from these things right I mean, when you say, look, I'm, I'm a rational human being, and I'd like to tell you about my spiritual practice, the channeled text that, oh, well, who's the author? Well, <laughs> Jesus.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I first mean, you have to get past the fact that it's a channeled text. And then when you tell who the person is, like, what? You're extra well, crazy. Well, right. I know. <laughs> I
1: know, right? Like, you have to assume that people are even open to the whole channeled text right. conversation.
0: <laughs> and so...
1: Yes, exactly. And herein lies the struggle of the last five years of my career. (laughs) Uh Like, do I want to come out with this? Do I not? And so yeah, you're sort of at the tail end of me really being open. I mean, obviously, I wrote a book about it. But as I was writing the book, I was very aware. I mean, I even joked with my husband, I was like, this is gonna kill my speaking career. Oh, oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, um, because my income is is very tied to corporate speaking engagements, talking about mindful leadership. And here I have this book about a course in miracles, which is claimed to be written by Jesus. I mean, it's just really heady um, and scary stuff, you know. But at the same time, I have never felt better. This is what the practice does to you because you just get into a state where you're not so much grasping. You recognize how little control we have over our things anyway. And you just put one foot in front of the other in a way that feels in alignment with your authentic truth. And that's what I'm doing. And what has been interesting is that I'm getting more engagements. And so it's just one of those things where I could tell you about Jesus, and I could give you my opinions about biblical Jesus and course Jesus. But what I would definitely recommend for everyone is just to dive in. To just, you know, it's easy to listen to someone on a podcast and say, oh my God, she is out there. (laughs) It's another thing to just pick up the text. Pick up the text, see what it says. And if this is a path that is for you, it will chase you around as it did for you it did. as it did for me. And if it's not for you, then it won't. And that's the beauty of having so many options on the spiritual buffet um, is that there is a path for everyone, but all the paths leading you to the same universe.
0: Absolutely. And I, I do, thank you for bringing that in. And I do want to stress that because... There are many paths, and this is one of them. And it, it, it might not resonate with some people listening. And like, like I just gave the example, didn't resonate with me for many, many years. Um, but if you look at most of the um, spiritual uh, texts and and spiritual uh, faiths out there, if you if you really dig down to their deepest core and foundations, they're kind of all saying the same thing, aren't they?
1: Yeah, this. I mean, I'm not a. Um scholar on all religions, but I will say that, that what it's pointing you to, what, what the great spiritual paths are pointing you to is love, being mm-hmm. the golden rule, seeing your brother as yourself. And and we we have not, as the human race, learned that lesson too well, despite all of our dogma and all of our doctrine.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because I, I actually have your uh, book flipped open in front of me, and I have a, a, a quote that... Uh, I didn't, I wasn't planning to read on this show, but it's just so perfect to, there's so many quotes to sum up the course really perfectly. But this one is, it's in your book, but it's from the text. um, And it says, this is a course in how to know yourself. You have taught what you are, but have not let what you are teach you. And this is sort of a great segue for the next thing that I I wanted to bring in here, which is the notion or the... um, the entity, let's say that is your mentor in the book. And one of the things that I talk a lot about is that, and I mentioned it in the intro as well, was it's one thing to know that there is this, let's say, higher source that there is God. And it's another thing to have a relationship with God. And I love that in your book, you have a a whole chapter called meet your mentor. And I wonder if you can speak about the topic of of mentorship and, and the course.
1: I love that quote that you just read. Mm-hmm. It's The quote that you just read is one of those course quotes that just absolutely pierces your heart. And it's one of them that I feel just absolutely takes your breath away. And when you say you have taught what you are, what that means is that when you're viewing yourself as completely separate from other people, then you've taught what you are, but you haven't let what you are teach you. What what we're really saying here is that you can go through your life one of two ways. You can go through your life feeling that you are responsible for and in control of um, everything that happens to you, which in some sense you are, but you can also go through your life relying upon the guidance and the wisdom and the compassion and the love of a power that's greater than your own and so the more that we turn over our fear to that greater power, again, the more we find that we have that internal miracle, that shift in perception from fear to love, that then enables us to express love in our life. And the more that we express love to others in our life, the more we come to view ourselves with love, so we ease up on some of that self-sabotage that we do, some of that self-attack, we ease up on that, and again, we have more flow. And so that comes from a relationship with our inner mentor because we have to ask for that. Mm -hmm. So when we're in this state of trying to control everything ourselves, we think that we're making everything happen in our life and holding on, we're grasping um, for what it is that we think we want. Then we're not asking Mm because we think we have it. And the course is very clear and, and I believe some other paths are very clear as well, that you have to ask because your asking opens the door to the fact that you don't have the answer. Just the very fact that you've asked says, I don't know. And just the fact that you've cracked that level of curiosity allows something to come through. And one thing that I think is important to point out, and I I do make this point in Miracles at Work, is that, When we're talking about guidance, um, which the course talks a lot about, we're not asking for the external situation in our life to change. We are asking for us to change, and as a result of our changing our perception and our behaviors, then the external situation changes as a result of the change within ourselves. And so it's not that you're asking for, um, the Course uses the language Holy Spirit. It's not that you're asking the Holy Spirit to give you the car or the relationship or make someone else different. You're asking to see through the lens of love. You're asking to open your spiritual eye so that you can see through the body-centric perspective of are you meeting my needs and see the other person for their universal truth and that is what the course calls the course calls the holy spirit the communication link between you and god so the course calls the holy spirit that bridge to, to between you and god and so um, that is what we're leaning on and if the more that we ask for guidance the more guidance the our life and the more we're able to to express
0: love and that's the miracle yeah oh my gosh I've I had so many things coming up as you were saying that because it it is that that whole principle of the invitation it's it's one of the things that when I share that with people it's sort of like like oh like who would have thought that like you have to invite and um it is one of the most powerful things and and uh, the lesson that kept kind of uh, running through my mind as you were talking Was I'm willing to see this differently? Yes. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, it's. I mean, get goosebumps just talking about it. But I, I, you know, there are days where that lesson is on repeat for me in my head because you know you are triggered by the outside world, and and there are seemingly um, conflicting uh, people and things in your world, and to to have. Number one, the tools of the workbook lessons, but also this relationship that you just talked about with your mentor, with the Holy Spirit, and inviting that in, you know, on a constant basis, sometimes, um, often. So good. Right. And just to, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, that's okay. I know. It's so exciting. You just want to jump in. No, yeah, absolutely. Go for it.
1: (laughs) So the course is constantly talking about choosing again, right? Mm -hmm. Choose again, choose again. At every moment you have the opportunity to choose again. So you have, you, you said the perfect prayer because in those moments where you feel triggered, you have two choices. You can say this person is a jerk or I'm a jerk or you beat yourself up or beat them up, or you can say, I'm willing to see this differently. And saying, I'm willing to see this differently is a ask. It is a prayer. And that's what invites a new perspective to come in. And so if you say this person's a jerk, well, then you're in that control position I was talking about earlier, where you're just trying to manipulate the outcome. But if you just say, look, I'm willing to see this differently differently, a door opens and that's what enables the guidance to come through. So thank you so much for bringing that up. And I'm sorry to interrupt
0: you. No, that's okay. I know it's such an interesting topic. And like, I, we're, we're almost sort of at time, but it's like, oh my gosh, I could keep talking about this forever. But um, it, it is, it's that it's that invitation. And also what came to me was, it's the willingness to acknowledge that we got a lot of stories you know and and the, and even though in the moment we are so bought into that story and we so believe on this level on this plane that it's true but the willingness to say okay even though at this moment i cannot see that this is a story i cannot see that this is an illusion i am willing to acknowledge that it is that and somebody please god show me it show me this differently because i don't want to be in this hell i don't want to be suffering and it reminded me of that. And, I, and I, I don't know if that's what you were alluding to earlier. It reminded me of the story you told on one interview about that woman that stood up when you were at Marianne Williamson. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be great to, to share with the listeners.
1: Yeah. So you were mentioning before about the stories and the stories become trapped in our head and they become the baggage of our life. And we're constantly looking at our circumstances and looking at ourselves through the lens of those stories. And what standing in your magnitude is, to go back to what we were talking about before, standing in your magnitude is dropping all of those stories and just seeing yourself in the full beauty and perfection of the way that you were created. Because your spiritual self has no story. Your spiritual self just is. And so I was at a career workshop with Marianne Williamson where this woman stood up and she had a a litany of stories about the ways in which her life had not gone as planned. And they were truly sad, truly, truly sad stories. And Marianne came from the stage and she got really close to this woman and she looked her in the eye and she said, that's a really interesting story and I'll bet you get a lot of attention for it, but I'm just not going to go there with you. And what she meant by that is I don't see those stories. I see you in your magnitude. And I'll be your eyes until you see that about yourself. And I just thought that was really beautiful. And that is what magnitude is. That that magnitude is that perfection that we see in ourselves and that we see in others. That, that has nothing to do with our stories and everything to do with the way that we were created.
0: Beautiful, yeah. And i I could hear, I could hear and almost visualize Marianne saying that with her with deep compassion because i think that's the biggest and best service that we could do for another is to not believe the stories that they might currently in that moment be believing for themselves and it can be really challenging to do
1: yeah the course calls it um there's a line in there i'm not going to get it exactly right but it's like you think this is empathy but you're actually joining in suffering yes and and what I what I love about that is, at Marianne demonstrated it so beautifully because she did have true compassion for this woman whose story was terrible. I mean, there is there is a level of that that if you you cannot be alive without being affected by someone's story in that way. But at the same time, that the past is over, it can touch me not, right? And so if we drag our stories around with us, then they. And they just live in the present, even though the events are no longer part of our day-to-day experience. But we carry them as if they are, and that weighs us down. And Marianne just used to see
0: that in this woman, and it was a beautiful thing. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that story. Thank you for, for being here and for sharing the course with us. And, of course, your amazing book, Miracles at Work. We'll definitely have a link to both the, uh, even if anyone wants to purchase the course in miracles and dive in, we'll have a link to that in the show notes and definitely a link to miracles at work and, and Emily's work. And I would really encourage those of you that are listening that maybe your interest has been piqued, and maybe you do want to look at the course. Um, go for it. You know, like Emily said, buy it, go for it, dive in. The language is, is beautiful and it's poetic and, you know, it's sometimes, Uh, I I say it's it's the I equate it to sort of understanding Shakespeare in some moments Um, and so I encourage you to find a course group to study with if you're especially if you're a beginner I find that really helps. Um, Emily you have an online group that you just began that I'm also part of which is called Course Companions is that correct?
1: Yes so right now it's a Facebook group but it's a wildly growing yes. but, but grew like almost uh, well over 1,600 people yeah. in a month and Amazing. so we're we're on
0: Facebook and um, I also have a website emilybennington.com. Beautiful. thank you so much for sharing that. so we'll have all of that information in the show notes. again, Emily, it was such a joy and an honor and uh, like I said, I could go on and on and talk to you for another four hours I'm sure but I, I so appreciate your your time and your presence here today. Thank you so much.
1: Well, I could continue to talk to you. So let's, let's do this again.
0: Yeah, for sure. Maybe we'll do a part two. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I'm down. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Tune in next week, guys, when we're going to have another amazing guest and another amazing show for you. Thank you so much for being here, everyone. God bless. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep rising, everyone.